Jonah didn't learn his lesson. Hmm. It ends on a cliffhanger. And a lot of commentators have pointed that Jonah's message to Nineveh wasn't a complete gospel message because of his hate for Nineveh. It was a false message. That's uh, interesting. Was, so, was, what, there a, was it a justified hate? Do we know something about Nineveh that most people well, don't? Well, well here's the wickedness, thing. for one thing. Right. Sure, but here's the thing that's important is that Jonah's sin is not just that he didn't obey God. Jonah hated God for loving Jonava? Jonava? We all let that what? go. I didn't hear anything after that because I was kind of meditating on Jonah. Jonah. Uh, we have a Jonah? heretic in our midst. Tennessee, Tennessee. I just got back from Tennessee. Boy, Did they let me tell kick you, you out for that song? Well, if they knew I was a Californian, they would have kicked me out. There was a lady there. I'll tell you what I was doing in Tennessee. But she said, she was from California. She said, if you move to Tennessee, Make sure to change your license plate as quickly as you can if you're from California. She said someone left a note on her car saying, go back where you came from. Oh, boy. I'll tell you something. Jonah's a great conversation starter for that person. (laughs) Seriously. Honestly. Right? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Because, well, the reason is, is you think about it, you know, because part of me thought, well, it's all the conservative Californians going to Tennessee. It's a conservative state. What's their problem? But they're not thinking about that. They're Money. thinking you're coming in, you're you're jacking up our property values, right? And and then it, in a way that it's hard to buy homes. You're taking our jobs, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, Californians. It's kind of that way everywhere now because Californians are fleeing the state in mm. droves. I'm staying. <laughs> put. We are staying in the darkness, friends. Right, Ray? Someone yes. I love it. It's nothing like California. It's good to see what you're breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, you seriously need to bring back the, the Cal- LA Air can? Yes. LA Where was it? We used to have it in here somewhere. I thought back there somewhere. Yeah, Ray, oh, that was the, uh, see, the smog is stopping your view. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't say it. Ray, uh, yeah, what, what was the LA Air can? Oh, well, while I was waiting for God to open ministry doors for me, for the first three years, I was really bored. So I was creating all these silly things. I don't know why. You still do that, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of them was a block of wood that you had in a cardboard box, and it was called the block, and you run around the block each morning <laughs> to, stay, to stay fit. Seriously, your yeah, brain. Yeah, and it was, like a, it was like the pet rock type thing that you give to a businessman. It's the block yeah. to have on his desk so he could say, I run around the block every morning. That's why. Okay, I now, now, real, real so what was the smog can? There was a can that said L.A. Smog, and you open it up, and it's just smelt, gasoline smell in it. <laughs> Canned smog. And also one of those snow cone things. I had one where you shook it, it went all dirty, and it had L.A. in the background. <laughs> Did you really try, snow to, globe. try to sell Yeah, it was those? a snow globe. It was a smog globe. You know smog what? Globe, they, they would, these things would probably sell a lot in this day and age with, with social media and you know online yeah. and stuff. Bring it back. No. Um, but did you actually make that snow globe thing? Yeah, I, I started. I Yeah, I actually went to Hawaii and looked at special sand that would come up when you shook it all I, uh, from the beach. It had to be a really lightweight. Oh, but really? then God felt sorry for me. Well, I think he sent <laughs> angels and I said, what is comfort <laughs> doing? Stop this. Help this man. <laughs> <laughs> this that's is what, what I didn't bring him over here for this. Yeah, that's what insomnia does to you, right? Yeah. And I had a book called, uh, I can't remember what it was called. Was it the whole book, cartoon book on L.A. smog? I can't remember what it was called. Really? Yeah, and where planes would come into land and they realized they landed on the smog and had to try again. Boy, that's a, that's a thing to do. <laughs> that's a thing to do. You've got to be choking. So thick. Yes, that was, it was called You've Got to Be Choking. That's right. Yeah, oh, that's right. But that's mm. a thing to do. Move to a new area and then thrash it all <laughs> over the world. <laughs> Boy, I love you. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I was in Tennessee, guys. I was doing three things. I was speaking at a church, 
and I was doing a wedding of a friend of mine, and I was celebrating my anniversary with Rachel. Twenty-seven years, Ray. I've been your son-in-law. I've been I've been your son-in-law for twenty-seven years. Yeah, never mind. How have you? How, <laughs> how remind have you me. Managed that, Ray. How's that gone for you? Counseling. What's... How's your counseling bill? <laughs> your psychiatrist bill. <laughs> But listen, guys, th- this no, is... No, seriously, I thank God for the day you brought easy into my life. Oh, thank yeah, you, Ray. Yeah. I was waiting for the insult to follow No, there's that. no insult. Was, <laughs> I'm was so sincere. used to Ken Ham. I was waiting for some <laughs> kind of insult. But here's the thing I was talking about in one of the other podcasts about uh, time and all that. This was, yeah, this was a first. In fact, I think it, it must have been a first in the history of all mankind. But this couple wanted me to pronounce them husband and wife at 4.44 p.m. on the dot. Why? Because uh, there's just something with the number 444, and this was a childhood friend of mine, that amazing guy, but something with the number 444 that's special to him. And he prayed, he said, Lord, let me know after the first date with this girl, they both worked in a hospital, he's a respiratory therapist, she's a nurse, and they went on a first date, and he really liked this girl. He's like, Lord, I just need to know, should I, you know, should I marry this girl? I don't know, and I don't want to ask you for a sign, but Lord, can you just kind of somehow make it clear? So anyhow, 444 is really special to him. So that same day, that was in the morning, that same day he was charting, he's at the hospital, she walks out of the room, comes over toward him and says, oh, that's weird, your watch says 444 on it. He goes, what? He goes, your watch says 444. That's weird. And he goes, you have no idea what you just said. And so that was special to him. Did and you feel the pressure? Oh, boy. That's did special, ever, that's did special to me, it? though. I did. But you're a maniac for time, so it was no problem You know you. what? That's what I was saying about time, because I'm so, I told Rachel, I'm so used to always looking at atomic my watch time. with time. And this is atomic, so it's linked to the clock in Boulder, Colorado. It's perfect time, you know? So, but it was... Yeah, I had to cut out a lot. Did you? A that was lot. the plan they told me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They actually prayer. could care less about 444. That, that's what it was all about. So that 444 is special to me because 222 is special to me. Well, I mentioned your 222. That's right. Really? I don't, I don't wear a 222. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, it was, it was something else, man. But by God's grace, I hit it. I may have even hit it at 44 seconds too, I Ooh. think, because I was, you know, it had to be within the four minute of 44. There's no but, way I would be able to do that. Yeah, it was, I'm it officiating was a, a wedding next month. Yeah. And I'm just saying, don't give me any direction whatsoever because I can't follow directions. <laughs> and I'm doing communion with them and the, I'm looking at my watch. I'm oh, like, okay, man. guys, everybody <laughs> eat, eat, eat. Seriously, <laughs> it was bad. That's I'm throwing stressful. the <laughs> But it, by God's oh, grace, God. I hit it. And it was just, wow. it was a blessing for me because it was a blessing for them. Yeah. You know, it was special. He proposed to her at 444 when he proposed. And so it was just How many kids are they going to have? 444. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they better. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, that was fun, and Rachel and I had a blast celebrating our 27th. Boy, Tennessee has some beauty, man. We were in the Pigeon Forge area, so we went to Dollywood. Uh, Is that where the Blue Mountains are? Uh, Smoky, Smoky Mountains. Mountains. Smoky, Smoky, yeah, Smoky yeah. Mountains. We have and they in, do. They we look, have them in California, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they look, They actually look smoky, and they told me the reason why, because it rains so much, and the, the kinds of trees that are in the forest, they emanate this sort of a hmm. kind of a mist or whatever, and it makes it look smoky. So, so we went to Dollywood, which was rated number one theme park in America by, Wait, a big, by some big Wait, organization. Wait, Dollywood? You don't know? Seriously? Yeah. Seriously? A theme park. It's like, oh, it's like I thought it was Dolly like... Dolly Parton. Yeah, Dolly Parton. She has her own theme park? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Disneyland, but it's, I mean, it, it's pretty impressive. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Massive like roller coasters. Disneyland impressive? I'm looking at pictures. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it has a Knott's Berry Farm feel because it. it's that country yeah. feel, but cleaner, nicer in the forest. They got a thing with bald eagles, like, 
I thought it'd be about two of acres. Oh, it's huge. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's very, it was packed. Yeah. So we did that and Rachel got a tick while we were in. Oh, really? Yes. It must have like hitched a ride on her clothes because it, she ended up, she was doing something and she felt something and it was like a little bit burrowed in her skin. So it was already in her skin. Yeah. But not deep, you yeah. know? So we think we got it. She's taking antibiotics because, you know, Lyme disease is yeah, yeah. scary. So hopefully we got it. But anyway... Uh, on a good note, Tennessee was fun. Yeah, Pigeon Forge. They got, oh man, it's crazy there. They got uh, like a restaurant, looks like the Titanic. So They've why got is a it building, called, looks upside down. We've been I mean, there before, haven't we? Did we, we did for the Bible Bee. The Bible, that's uh, right. You, you spoke there, and that yes. was our first time there, yeah. So why is it called Pigeon Forge? Was there some pigeon that was just annoying? It was a pigeon that used to forge signatures. <laughs> <laughs> you never heard about that pigeon, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends. Here's a comment from C to the Zer. His name is Caesar. C to the Zer. That's clever. Keep doing what you're doing. Hello, brothers in Christ. Even though I have never met any of you, I feel the bond of our Lord Jesus Christ that unites us in a way. I have been hearing this podcast for some time now and have felt like I am in the same room as you guys sharing the truth of the word with laughter and sometimes tears. This podcast reminds me so much of growing up in my youth group where we can be laughing one moment and meditating on the word with seriousness the next. Keep up the eternal work. God bless you guys. P.S. Mark's the funniest. Please read. Easy. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. I can't believe I read that. But oh, that shows that's how much funny. I love you. What does that even mean? Mark's the funniest. Eat. Please read easy. Mark's oh. the funniest. Please read it easy because he knew I wouldn't normally. Unless he included oh, his name yeah. in the list. He doesn't yeah. read a lot about so, all of us. We get well, complimented on everything he reads. Yeah. I don't read any of the comments, so that's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good job, C to the Zer. Thank you, brother. God bless you. And I'd uh, like to take him out to lunch now. Yeah. <laughs> get him a you Caesar salad. First. A C yeah. to the Zer salad for Caesar. Speaking of taking out to lunch, um, do you ever? Oh, we've I'm talked so about hungry it before. right now. Why did you mention lunch? <laughs> we've Ray? talked about it before. How your mind does other things when you are like you did it before when you were preparing for the program. Those three drinks. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. The other day, just the other day, boy, I felt so dumb. I was uh, just the other day. Yeah, just the other day. <laughs> yeah, I was cooking ham and eggs, <laughs> and I turned the egg over with a spatula, got the salt. Got my fork and went and sat down, and I had a spatula on one hand and a fork, <laughs> fork in the other hand. I thought, what am I doing? Uh, but your mind just gets carried away thinking about other things. You don't even know what you're doing physically. So yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. My That's sister true. was sleepwalking one day, and she started guzzling ketchup from the fridge. Oh, really? Instead of water, yeah. That's expensive. I wouldn't let her do that. <laughs> Yeah, so there you have it, friends. And once again, you know this has been the focus of the last three podcasts because we're excited. We got the merch, the Living Waters mug, hand model Oscar, please. Da, 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 Musician da, 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 Oscar. Da, 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 there it is. There it is, friends. Oh, other side. It's got Ray, Mark, Easy, Oscar, and what's it say on the other side? We have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, we still don't, friends. But get the mug. You guys have been waiting. You've been asking. It's here. And so show how much you love it by getting it. Give it to others. Tell others about it. Think about us. Pray for us. Break it. We only ordered 150. Yeah, that's right. We're limited. So who knows when you're listening to this podcast. These may be out, but we will get more. But get these fast. I do a good job, Oscar? That's good enough. Yeah, good enough. All right, friends. Uh, oh. And the Evidence Study Bible at mm. livingwaters.com. Today, we are talking about Jonah, and the title of this podcast is Something Seems Fishy About Jonah. 
<laughs> so guess who guess you came up with that one. Yeah. Oh, so I prepared all my notes on fishing. That's exactly what I did. I was going to say that. I've been. I spent an hour and a half this morning. Oh fish, man! Fishing, right? yeah, I love it. Yes, Lewis. Why did, now, why stream. does that make me laugh? It's so beautiful. Because you laugh at things that aren't funny. <laughs> not me, but me. Uh, yeah. So Jonah, guys, look. This is one of those. I think Bible stories that has probably been the most mocked by atheists, right? It's understandable. Yeah. I mean, who in his right mind with any intellectual dignity would stoop to believe that Jonah was swatted by a big fish? I mean, it just just sounds utterly ridiculous. But we as Christians know that with God, nothing is impossible. And that's a theme that runs through the whole Bible. Mm. With God, nothing is impossible. And Jesus quoted this. He said in Matthew 12, 40, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So mm. that whole story is easy for me to swallow. Yeah. Especially because it was a goldfish. <laughs> it was a goldfish. <laughs> That's a miracle. It was a goldfish. It's all Jonah. Take it uh, out. Oh, uh, yeah. In full confession, I failed miserably one of the very first times I ever tried to evangelize, and it was over Jonah. I was a very new Christian. Uh, I was. It was. I had this uh, fellow atheist in a college class that I was in, and uh, we had. It, it was one of those kind of providential moments because we went to high school together, but lost touch. And then I'm I'm in college. He's in one of my classes, and right around that period of time, I get saved while I'm in this class. Not because of the class or anything like that, but anyway. To make a long story short, I call him one day, and I'm like, "Hey, I think I'm a Christian now. Like this is." <laughs> <laughs> this is a thing, you know? Uh, and he was like, oh, come on, man. You can't be real and blah, blah, blah. And that Bible, you got to be careful, this, that, and the other. And, and he goes, and you know, like stuff like Jonah. And I, full confession, total failure, go, well, I, I can't remember how I said it, but I, I said, I, I, I was sheepish about it. I said something like, well, you know, like it doesn't, like, no, I mean, maybe he didn't actually get swallowed by a whale. Like, you don't have to believe that. Just kept him in the mouth for, you know, three days, three <laughs> yeah, nights, and was, yeah. just didn't swallow. But, you know, I was, I was... I was trying to share the gospel. I was very young. I was a very immature believer, and I just didn't know my Bible. That's just it. I just didn't know my Bible. I didn't know I'd have that conversation. I wasn't well prepared for that. I was ambitious, but I wasn't well prepared. Yeah, and look, to me, guys, I'm not perplexed or bothered by unbelievers who have a hard time with the story of Jonah. What bothers me is these liberal theologians who try to explain away miracles, in the Bible. There's nothing know? much left in Scripture if you do that. Right? But they try nonetheless. And to me, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, if you're claiming to be a Christian, then you believe in creation at the very least, right? God created everything ex nihilo out of nothing. So what What would be impossible You sounded like Schultz from Hogan's Heroes then. Out of nothing. <laughs> Is that it? Good, right? <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> so, but... I mean, you know, I, I remember hearing about one commentator who, who tried to say, like, you know, when Jesus fed the multitudes, he had a bunch of fish and bread hidden in the sleeves of his robe. <laughs> Magician. No, he's serious. Yeah. The, the stupidest things. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to try to explain that away, yeah, duh, okay, yeah. You I remember seeing to... a joke way back in the 70s it was some hippie looking at Scripture and saying, whoa, God just opened up the Red Sea, and all the Israelites are walking through it. And a theologian come and said, oh, around that time, the... Tides came in and pulled it all out, and then the kid goes quiet as he's reading the Bible, and he goes, whoa, because he said it was only three inches of water in reality. He goes, whoa, God's just drowned the whole Egyptian army in three inches of water. (laughs) That's so good. I remember a skeptic asking an apologist, you know, how can a man survive in the belly of a great fish for three days? 
He said, I, I don't know. You know, when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. I'll be sure to ask. <laughs> and uh, the guy responded, well, what if, what if Jonah's not in heaven? And the apologist said, well, then you ask him. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's pretty okay. bold. So the key, though, with the whole Jonah thing is that God prepared that great fish. So yeah. it would have had a lazy boy recliner, flat screen, <laughs> air conditioning, and yeah. uh, a microwave. Listen, I think it's... Gospel. I, I totally agree, and I, and I love the way you just worded it easy. I think it's important to to rationally approach that. And so, you know, somebody would argue, well, that's an allegory or a parable. A more liberal Christian might say that. And by, what they mean by that is they believe that it is full of fictional characters that symbolize some other reality, a symbol of Israel's refusal to carry out God's mission to the rest of the nations. And And here's the thing. When we read our Bibles, the Bible does have allegory. And it does have symbolism and it does have parables. And when, when the Bible speaks in allegory or parables, it doesn't always talk about a historical account, though sometimes even allegory and parable and poetry can talk about actual history, but we need to be students of God's word and we need to allow God's word to say what it says and be what it is. And here's the problem with calling Jonah an allegory or a parable. First, it's presented as history and not fiction. How do we know that? Because anytime the Bible uses very specific geographical locations in people's names and details, it moves into the category of history. This is a prophetic historical account. That's one of the reasons why we know. Another example is that parables or allegories are often simple. They're not rich in detail. The parable of the prodigal son, which there's actually a lot of parallels. The parable of the prodigal son does not have a lot of details. It doesn't tell you where they lived. It doesn't tell you names. It doesn't tell you location. It doesn't tell you the kind of the farmer he was. There's a good chance that that was simply a parable. There's like when Jesus talked about the parable of the prodigal son, nobody afterwards were like, hey, Jesus, that was a really cool story. Can I meet those people? <laughs> people just knew it was an allegory. It was, it was a parable. It wasn't meant to be a historical analysis. Lastly, the introduction. First Kings and Second Kings both introduce themselves in the same way this does, which tells us that it is a historic prophet. The word of the Lord came. That is an introduction to a, a historical prophetic account, which Jonah presents itself to being. So let God's word be what God's word will be. This, according to God's word, is a historical account. And as you already said, we're talking about God. Yeah, We're yeah. talking about the God who spoke all creation into being and sustains it in his hand. Mm. Miracles exist. Praise God. Amen. You cannot use rational arguments to discuss everything in life. And we don't need rationale to defend Jonah. We don't need to, you know, like what, what you said earlier, we don't need to be like, oh, well, God had loaves hidden in, in some sleeve. Like, no, God is a miraculous, extravagant God. He's Let got big sleeves. <laughs> that's right, he's got big sleeves. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's spot on, Oscar. You know, Mark, Andy Stanley has recently gotten heat because he said something extremely stupid you know, about, I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's it's very grievous. And Ray, you made a video about it. And I'm so glad you did. But, you know, talking about how the whole thing of creation and evolution, and he was saying, no, you know, God, remember, he's talking to, to, to 
ancient man who really couldn't understand what we understand today. So, of course, he had to explain it to him in narrative form like that that he created. But it, evolution is totally compatible with, you know, all this junk, you know. But that's where people then begin to rationalize. Where do you stop with that? Oh, Jonah, no, that didn't really happen. You know, God was trying to speak to these people that understood only in stories, and right? I mean, that's where the danger comes in where we start to explain God's word away because of culture. Yeah, well, let me comment on Andy Stanley really quick. I mean, the theological gymnastics that he performs on the regular is getting completely out of hand. I can't imagine his father's oh. response to the way his son is approaching Was the word dad, of God. Was his dad somebody? Uh, Charles, Charles Stanley. Stanley. Charles Stanley, yeah. Have you um, heard of Charles Stanley? I don't know. Yeah, he's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. No, Mark, good point. And, and Ray and I, we went years ago, spoke at a at an event. Charles Stanley's daughter invited Ray, his his grandson, big fans, and which would be which would be uh, Andy Stanley's nephew and sister. They love the ministry. They love truth. And but here's where he's at. I can't imagine what Charles Stanley's going through. I didn't have to imagine because I saw Charles Stanley and him having an interview, and Charles and his latter years. This is two years ago. Was quite congenial towards him. Really? Yeah, I was very surprised. Oh, I didn't say. Look, I thought he would have. I thought he wouldn't even appear on a platform with him. Yeah. Was, was he a, doing this two years ago? What's that? Uh, was oh uh, yeah, Charles, uh, um, Andy Stanley's been like this for a long, for a long time, time okay. because they had a rift at some point, I think. But then, yeah, yeah that that's sad. But go ahead, Mark. Sorry. We have skeptics that come along and say that it's absolutely impossible for that to happen. And then the moment you begin to point out the impossibility of the contrary of what maybe they believe, they don't want to talk yeah. about it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you get life from non-life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, which is absolutely an impossibility. Abiogenesis. You know, you'll never have life come from an inanimate object. Or we talk about the Big Bang. In the beginning, there was an explosion. Well, what exploded? Yeah. Like, well, we don't know. Maybe there was gases. Well, where do the gases come from? <laughs> well, we don't. We um, um, and it's a bigger miracle. And Frank Turk said it correctly that I don't have enough faith to be an atheist mm-hmm. because it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does in the intelligent creation account found inside scripture with a literal six days of creation. Yeah. So you're just, you just need to choose your miracles. What miracles do you want to believe? Yeah. You know, so we, we will both use circular reasoning in that we will always fall back upon something that we can't fully explain and understand. We, as Christians, use virtuously circular reasoning because our source of authority is a standard that can be measured only in the eyes of God, whereas the world will use a viciously circular argument that will implode upon itself without any rationale or intellect. Mm. So the miracles we choose to believe in, and granted, we both arrive under the situation with our presuppositions, is that the Bible, to Oscar's point, is the ultimate source of authority. God said it, that believes it. I settle it, as Corey Ten Boom said. But even if I didn't believe it, it still settles it. It's still the inerrant, inspired, infallible word of the living triune God. And you know, Mark, the people that push back on that because they get this idea that, no, you know, we, we don't have to rely on an authority are at that very moment, declaring themselves to be the that's authority. Right. Because that's an authoritative statement. That's right. And they don't recognize that. That at the end of the day, they are now saying, I am the authority. That's right. And the crazy thing about that is that when you ask people questions, when they're declaring all these things that they believe, and you ask them simply, where do you get that from? That that has been one of the most powerful yes. questions I've ever I've ever asked, you know, and I and I've I've learned it from others, but it's where do you get that from? What do you base that on? Yeah. Silence. And then, uh, 
I don't know, it's just what I feel. It's yeah. just what I think. For them, it doesn't matter because their argument is propelled by the hurricane of their love for sin. Ooh. That's behind it. That's mm. it. And, and Ray, that's what you always push, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You, you really don't want to believe in God because you'd have to give up your pornography, you'd have to, right? And you just mm-hmm. take them down that line of reasoning. Mm-hmm. And I'm amazed at how many end up looking at you and going, yeah, you're right. Well, what happens is... <laughs> I, I concede. Many times I said, come on, I want you to be honest with me. It's nothing to do with God's existence. It's your fact you're having sex with your gorgeous girlfriend and you love your pornography. Is that right? And you see their mouth goes slightly up at the edges. <laughs> and that's enough. It's just a crack open and it's guilt comes out. Yeah. yeah. But I, I've seriously been blown away by how many just go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. You know, <laughs> it's amazing. Well, look, here's, here's the most fascinating, fascinating thing to me about Jonah. It's this. It's how short the book of Jonah could have really been. Oh, short is good. Yeah. So listen, you read verses one and two, right? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Verse three, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, right? And it goes on from there. And then the rest of the thing is everything that happened. He's, you know, goes on the ship, he's down, the, the storm comes, they throw him overboard, he gets swallowed, gets spat out, right? But, but if, if Jonah had obeyed the Lord, hmm. basically we would pick it up in verse three of chapter two, right? After it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and cry out against it for the wickedness has come before me, right? That was chapter one, verses one and two. Then you jump to chapter three, you pick up in verse three. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And that's it. And then you've got just got like a few more verses and the book is done. But that's such a good lesson for us. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. No. So you're going to go through a Jonah experience until right. you do. That's what happened to the disciples in the book of Acts. Yeah. Saul of Tarsus created havoc against the church, and they were scattered abroad preaching the word everywhere, which mm. they were told to do Yeah, in the beginning. Yeah, you don't want to wrestle with God, right? No. He's got bigger arms. I tell my kids continually, listen, you can learn in the sanctuary or you can learn in the storm. Learning in the sanctuary is through other people's mistakes, other people's experiences. Right. Learn as you listen to good sermons and podcasts. Mm. Open up the Word of God and have it properly exposited and see the frailty of life and the issues that David went through and everybody else that went before us as an example. Or you can learn in the storm. You can learn by you yourself going through the storm and attempt to wrestle against God and pretend like you know better than mm. God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jonah's message was one of repentance. Yeah. And then he says, now God may change his mind. Hmm. Yeah. Right? And then he said, I'm out. Peace out. I'm out. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, Jonah didn't learn his lesson. It ends on a cliffhanger. And a lot of commentators have pointed that Jonah's message to Nineveh wasn't a complete gospel message because of his hate for Nineveh. It was a false message. That's uh, interesting. Was, so, was, what, there a, was it a justified hate? Do we know something about Nineveh that most people well, don't? Well, well here's wickedness, the wickedness, for one thing. Mm. Sure, but here's the thing that's important is that Jonah's sin is not just that he didn't obey God. Jonah hated God for loving Jonava? Jonava? We all let that what? go. I didn't hear anything after that because I was kind of meditating on Jonah. 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 Uh, we have a Jonah? heretic in our midst. <laughs> Jonah was angry with God because God loved Jonah's enemies. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why Jonah didn't want to go because Jonah knew that God was a gracious God and Jonah loved God being gracious to him. Mm. But he did not love the idea of God being gracious to Nineveh, and he rebels against God for it. It's interesting. I mentioned earlier that the parable of the prodigal son, there's a lot of parallels because Jonah, in the beginning of the book of Jonah, Jonah acts like the younger brother. God calls him, and what does he do? He runs away. 
He goes into the world. And then the second half of the book, Jonah acts like the older brother. He obeys, I'm using air quotes, God by going and doing, but he does it without love. Mm. He goes to Nineveh and he's like, here, here's what you got. You guys need to repent. But he doesn't share much else with them. And then when, when they actually do repent, in spite of his lack of love for them, he's angry with God. Yeah. You see, the point, the point that God wants to make with Jonah seems to be that God is going to love his enemies and he's going to love your enemies. Yeah. And that's the thing that's super important to us is that as we go out there and preach the gospel, it's not enough for us to be like, well, I told him about the gospel and I told him about truth. If I go out and preach the gospel without love in my heart, without love for my enemies, I'm like Jonah. Mm. Can God use me? Yeah, yeah, he can use me. He used Jonah, but I will be left out of the city because it's Jonah that flees the city. And that's kind of what we were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. Mm. Like when, you're dis- when you despise so much your enemies that you leave the city, you yeah. have no interest in their good. You have no desire for them to truly repent and come to know and love the Lord. You forsake the city before God is done with that city. And God has called us to be so much more than Jonah. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, a $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. How do you... you know, sorry, Mark, Mark you go no, first. No. no, no, I'm going first then. Um, <laughs> The Jonah, Jonava, Jonava, in Geneva, <laughs> despised the Ninevites. And I had an experience the other day. I was editing, and I had to touch on marriage. And I thought, I'll oh, pull in a marriage of a. Oh, it was um, Charles Spurgeon talking about water baptism, and he said water baptism is like a wedding ring. Mm. It's not the wedding; it's just the ring saying what's happened. Mm. It's a testimony. And so I pulled up a um, from our stock footage a picture of a, a ring being placed on a woman's hand. And when I read across the bottom, it was a male hand that had oh, the ring. And no. I, I was so sickened, seriously. No. And it really challenges me because I know I love homosexuals. When mm. I witness to them, I love them. And it just yeah. shows the love of God in me overwhelms that shallow human love that we all have. Yeah, good. Yeah, no, a- amen. And I think it's shown. When you have a conversation with a homosexual, they walk away and they're thanking you. They they feel loved by you, even if they don't agree with you. Yeah. Even even if they they recognize that you believe something they don't believe in. Even if they deny the glory of God. Even if they don't repent of their sins, they still walk away and they're like, I I enjoyed that conversation with Ray. Mm. Yeah, we saw that in the atheist delusion. Remember the the woman we kind of refer to her as the rumor weed, or oh, the yeah. idea where she said, "How do you know? Did you know? Did I was I giving out gay vibes? How did you know to talk to me about the subject? And you had said, I just pray that God would lead me to the people on who to talk to. Yeah. Right. 
And that's what we do. We, we don't always know who we're talking to, but we know that God is preparing the soil and people yeah. for a situation as God leads us and guides us with his eye mm-hmm. and to talk to people about yeah. the most important thing ever. So what film was that? The Atheist Delusion. Oh. You're, you're in that oh, Audacity. 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 Yes. Yeah, Audacity. Yeah. Sorry about that. You was know, it? Yes. Yeah, it was yeah, Audacity. Audacity. Yeah. Yes. You know, um, it, it's kind of twisted with Jonah, isn't it? Because what Jonah made... Jonah, 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 Jonah Bark. What made him flee to Tarshish and from submitting to God's call was the potential of repentance. Mm, I mean, you would think that's what would cause the evangelist to be excited to go out. Oh, there's a possibility people might repent and turn to the Lord. But this goes to show how blinding hatred is, Mm. you know, when, when we don't soften our hearts to be filled with the compassion that Christ demonstrated when in Mark 6, he looked at that multitude and in Matthew 9, and was moved with compassion for them. And he knew what was in them, right? Like we've talked about. He, he saw through their facades. He saw the, the very core of their wickedness and rebellion, and he had compassion mm. for them, you know? And, and I love this. I mean, this, this really shows us kind of who God really is, and Jonah understood it. I think this is a point to make about those who say, oh, the Old Testament God was different than the New Testament God. Listen to what Jonah said. This is chapter four, verse one. But it displeased Jonah that you know, they had repented exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, mm-hmm. one who relents from doing mm-hmm. harm. And, and like he knew that was the heart of God. I mean, again... Wasn't we, that, that even happened with King David, I believe, wasn't it? That he'd rather fall into the hands of God yeah. than the mm. hands of his enemies. That's right. You know, they, they understood the heart of God. And especially because they saw his patience against the backdrop of the pervasive wickedness in, in those ancient times. There was, I mean, we, there's wickedness in our day, but it was extreme then too. And, and there were a lot of other things done then that, that aren't done today that were horrific. Uh, sacrificing their children in an overt way. We see abortion, it's hidden, it's behind the scenes as heinous and wicked, but they were sacrificing their kids on, you know, on pagan altars, you know, and, and doing unthinkable things. Moloch. Yeah. So, but, you know, he still knew the heart of God because the Lord should have wiped everyone off yeah. the face of the earth immediately. And yet he was patient and this upset Jonah. And then the whole, we get to the gourd incident. Right, so then God causes His gourd to grow up. Is so what's, Jonah what's behind there? that? I don't I mean what's behind the gourd, but what's the hidden message? I've always wondered. Well, I think the Lord said it to Jonah at the end. He, he so He said, then God said. So let me pick it up here. He says, so Jonah was very grateful because he was sitting there. So Jonah went out, verse five, of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would come of the city. And Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned, the next day, God prepared a worm and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a behemoth east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head and so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Like, first, God, you didn't destroy these people like I wanted you to. Now I'm sitting here, I'm burning up, I'm hot up here. What happened to my beautiful gourd? Wow. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? This is God talking to this puny man. Is it right, Jonah, for you to be angry with this plant? Remember, Jonah, I had that fish swallow you up. It seemed like he didn't learn his lesson here, right? It is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, 
and this shows God's tenderness again, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between the right hand and their left and much livestock? Look at the tenderness of God right here. Well, and and here's where you see the parallel of uh, the prodigal son. Because remember, the prodigal son ends in a cliffhanger, right? The younger brother comes home. He's welcomed in a celebration. There's repentance. And then the older brother leaves the home in the same way that Jonah leaves the city. And what does God do? He has patience with the older brother. He has patience with the religious Pharisee. He has patience with the legalist. He goes out and he meets him there and he pleads with him to come back. He pleads with him to repent. And just like Jonah, the the parable of the prodigal son ends on a cliffhanger. It's kind of this invitation. What are you going to do? Are you going to repent? Are you going to turn from your wicked ways? Are you going to turn from your religiosity, from your legalism? Are you going to come home? Yeah. Yeah. And... You know, and but but the Lord's tenderness. It's like, hey, Jonah, you're like you miss this plant. You, you're you, the point is you have care for this plant, right? I mean, and not it, these people. Yeah, and you don't care about these people. That I mean, you didn't do anything for this plant. It's you had no work in creating this plant, making it. You know, I made these people. They are made in my image. They bear my imprint. And you're not happy that that I'm turning my wrath away from them. You know. It's just Wait, it, what, what did Jonah have that he had not already received from the Lord? Mm. You know, we we consider ourselves, you know, but by God's grace, there go you and I in any heinous sin that you could possibly think about. It, there there should be a, a perpetual search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I, I'm continually on my guard because I know the enemy, while I'm sleeping at night, is planning for my demise, planning for my fall. I, I want to live a life of reproach. And when I hear of or see of some sort of a preacher that's falling into some uh, public sin and it's become a public spectacle and an open spectacle in heaven, I say, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. It's, you know, mm. it's caused me. I, I was just thinking as you're going through this easy, going up to my office and I'm done getting down on my knees and just saying, Lord, have mercy on me. May I always have mercy upon my enemies and the people mm. that I come in contact with. I, I may be better off than that I'm wearing a parachute, but I'm not better than, mm. you know, because what I have, I've only received from the Lord. Wow. You know, I pray that we learn from Jonah. Amen. When we look at all the Old, <clears throat> Old Testament characters, we've got to remember that they didn't have what we have. We have the cross. Mm. That's evidence of God's love for us and his cleansing of us through his grace. So how much more should we then be forgiving of our enemies and love Amen. them? Yeah, it's a, it's a forgetfulness, you know, yeah. of who we were and where we were. That's why I love how 1 Corinthians 6 says, and such were some of you, when it right. lists that, that whole you know, list of heinous sins, and such were some of you. And Paul again, and you he made alive who are dead in trespasses and sins. And Titus, you know, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived. It's remembering who we were and where we were and the mercy God has had on us to where we, we should overflow with, with an eagerness to be compassionate toward people. And it'll be evident in our demeanor and how we talk to them and how we engage with them. You know, Spurgeon said this, and Oscar, I know you have something to share. He said, we think that we do well to be angry with the rebellious. <laughs> and so we prove ourselves to be more like Jonah than Jesus. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> it's interesting because we're, we're talking about Jonah, the doofus. 
Uh, <laughs> and but then in the New Testament, Jesus says that that he is the greater Jonah. So like, why why would Jesus compare himself? Here's what he meant by that: it was a raging sea that that took Jonas's life to a degree, and it was a cross that took the life of Jesus. While Jonah spent three days in the belly of a well, it was Jesus that spent three days uh, in the tomb. And while it's God's word that causes the whale or the fish to spit out Jonah, it is the very power of God that resurrects Jesus from the dead. And while Jonah didn't willingly get swallowed up by a fish, it was Jesus that willingly went to the cross to be swallowed up by sin and death. And while it was Jonah's sin that put him in his predicament, it's our sin that puts Jesus on that cross. And so in that way, Jesus is the better Jonah, the salvific Jonah that we need because of our sins. Yeah. And, you know, even the fact that Jesus would cite Jonah, right? I mean, you think, hey, I mean, this this was a rebellious prophet by all all counts. I mean, he didn't want to go. He only went because God finally forced him by by having the, the the fish swallow him. And then after he went, then he was angry that didn't turn out and he's complaining and murmuring and, and arguing with God. Yeah, I have the right to be angry, even unto death. I mean, he was, but but Jesus still referenced him as a prophet, mm. you know, and likened himself to him and contrasted, but, you know, identified. And and I think I think it's a reminder for us to be very, very careful how quickly we write off the servants of God who who have stumbled. And I don't mean this in the sense that they are now qualified to serve in ministry again, because they may not be. But I've talked about this before. We have to be careful that we don't get this self-righteous attitude where we treat them like they're worthless now. You know, oh, you blew it. Man, that, that's a terrifying thing to do. That, that's so disgusting in the sight of the Lord. Oh, yeah, you're good enough for God's total pardon and forgiveness. I'm talking about those that have genuinely repented, you know, but not mine. Man, that that's like the height of hypocrisy and wickedness, you know? And I think the whole issue too of obedience to the Lord, that's another takeaway from Jonah. You know, are, are we gonna obey God when he calls us to do the things that we don't particularly like? They may be different in, in tone and tenor, than Jonah's circumstance, but still, nonetheless, I, I don't want to go to this country where it's dangerous and preach the gospel. I don't want to go to this neighborhood and tell people about Christ. You know, I don't want to confront this brother or sister who's living in sin. I don't want to have to, you know, discipline my child again and again over this because it's inconveniencing. We need to obey the mm-hmm. Lord. Uh, I love what Colin Smith said, Lord, make me less like Jonah and more like Jesus. Save me from being the kind of person who cares more about my comfort, my reputation, and my success than I do about the people you're calling me to serve. Help me to keep all of my dreams on your altar and be ready at all times to respond with faith and obedience to your call. Hmm. Ray, that's a big deal, putting our dreams on the altars, you know, what we want, what we desire in life. It's a reasonable service. Present your bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Everything we've got came from God. Hmm. Our eyeballs, our brains, and blood through our veins. That rhymes. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, no. We have we have a new rapper in our midst. Oh, and I'd give to see you rap, right? Yeah. The New, yeah. New Zealand MC. <laughs> <laughs> but, Mark, really, it's it's one of those things where, like when I was a kid, you know, I, I would watch the, the Kung Fu Theater 
Remember Kung Fu Theater? Oh, and totally. Bruce Lee. Oh, I mean, I. Uh, it's still my dream to learn kung fu, but anyway, I would was watch it, each other. Was in sequence? Was the yeah? Oh, off sequence. I loved it. <laughs> what are you doing? And I had no idea that it was dubbed. I'm like, why? Are they you thought that's like, that's how that's why you talk the way you talk now. <laughs> it's, all, it's all those years of watching like, kung fu movies. I will kill you. <laughs> and then the lips move afterwards. Fight me! <laughs> it was so funny. But I remember I would get so like amped after watching one of those i'd go outside and i'd get sticks and i'd start you know doing stuff and wah, flying in the air and you so know that's what's and, caused all this yeah, yeah. It, that's it and Epiphany. then the next day i had a fight that i had you know there was a scheduled fight with someone after school and and all of that was gone you know like wah. so i mean i'm just knocking at the knees but mark i say all that to say you know we can get all yeah gung-ho i i don't care about my life my dreams but when it comes to like the point of really laying them on the altar, right? Like really saying, okay, I'm walking away from this. I'm not going to get that car that I have the money to buy that I've dreamed of buying all my life because I believe I need to give this money to missions. Well, <laughs> I, I read a real convicting thing from Randy Elkern today mm-hmm. when he said, uh, you know, you parents where God has blessed you financially, he's like, you don't need to be giving them to your kids. Mm-hmm. Pass it on to the Lord. Give it, give it over to nonprofit organizations. What are they going to do with it? Are, are they going to pass it on to other organizations? Hmm. He's like, listen, why don't you just go ahead and do that and trust the Lord's going to provide for them? Wow. You know, and obviously there's a balance. Yeah, it's not across right. the board, you know, and I'm not quoting it exactly right. But, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, we, we mentioned in a previous podcast, you know what kind of a servant you are when somebody treats you like one. Mm. When somebody starts pulling on things that you hold dear to yourself, whether it be sleep or food or your stature or whatever it may be, Monsieur. you know, uh, what's up? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> stature, right? Let's talk about your stature. I'm trying to stretch you out and make yeah. it You know, you just, you see what kind of a person you are. Yeah. You know, so I, I just, I desire, we all desire to just be people that are fully used to the fullest extent that God designed us to be. I, I want to be a man who is so readily used by God that it makes the apostles in the book of Acts look lukewarm, mm-hmm. That that it's... God, do whatever you want to do through me. You have fully full permission, and I call heaven and earth as a witness. Well, whatever you want to do, no matter the cost and at all cost, because Jesus paid the, the the full price in order to receive the full reward of his suffering. And I want to say worthy is the lamb to receive the reward of his suffering through all of my actions. And I mm-hmm. fail miserably, you know, in doing that. Yeah. But God's grace. I love that, Mark. And I love what you said about, you know, wanting to outdo the apostles. That's really a biblical mindset. Run run the race in such a way so as to win. Mm-hmm. You know, we run our races like we're we're having a social sort of a, a nice jog, you know, on a on a walking trail. No, we're 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 to run in such a way. Our mindset, our mentality is to be such that we are acting as though we want to win this race. I want to excel, I want to exceed, not for my own glory, but because I want to glorify the Lord with everything within me, yeah, you know? So yeah, well, there you have it, friends. Look, I, I've left the, the best quote about Jonah for last. This is by Thomas Edison. When down in the mouth, remember Jonah, he came out all right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good the first one. Dad joke. the electrician, Thomas Edison? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's that famous theologian, Thomas Edison. So friends- uh, Jonah was a dentist. He was down in the mouth, yeah. There you have it, friends. We hope you were encouraged today. We hope you were blessed. We hope that you've learned some valuable lessons. And we hope, lest you be swallowed by a large fish, that you get the Living Waters Podcast mug. 
and swallow some things in it. Hey, this is all tying in. From it. I like that. From it, in it, from it. Yeah, uh, get it. It's here. Merch. You've been dreaming of merch all your life. We have merch with our pictures on it. We have no idea what we're doing on There's it. There's only 150 of them? Yeah. Limited release. I actually think that we should do limited release mugs all the time. I think it'd be really? fun to make it kind of like a collect. I've got the first Why one. Why don't we just one. get two? <laughs> <laughs> I got one right here. Right. Yeah. So get it, friends. And don't forget the Living Water or the Evidence Study Bible at livingwaters.com. And remember, give us those ratings, comments, and don't forget to email us at podcast at livingwaters.com. Ray Comfort's looking at his watch because he wants to go and preach the gospel. <laughs> and uh, I got to go to Saratos. Isaiah, uh, thank you for joining us. <laughs> we'll see you here for next time on the Living Waters. Podcast where we have no idea what we're doing. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters podcast.